Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's edition of Conversations. Z, we've been talking about a continuation of our previous discussions on life and what it means to feel alive, what it means to be healthy and whole, and conversely, what happens when the pressure just builds up to such an extent, the anxiety, the emptiness, the frustration, to a point where we just snap. So we're going to go through some of that. We're going to talk about different situations that we've seen where people live under extraordinary amounts of pressure day after day. It might lead to a collapse, but we're also going to talk about how we can live better and how we can avoid the situation. So today's topic is pressure check. And the idea is that we can get acclimated very quickly to a wide variety of situations. So we can get acclimated to things that can benefit us. Or conversely, if every day we're living in a state of heightened anxiety and tension, we're used to creating drama, we're used to picking fights, this just becomes our norm. Other habits could be we go to work, we work long hours, we're stressed, we're not really getting anything back. Maybe we make some money, maybe we don't, but we're not getting anything that sparks our intellect, that speaks to our soul, that stirs our passion. So over time, we feel more and more empty. We feel more and more burned out. Relationships could be another situation. Either we don't have an intimate partner, or if we do, as we talked about Z, we might not appreciate what we have. We might be in a situation where we're just going through the motions, or a lot of times people naturally have different demands on their time, you couple that with the anxiety and the technology, and you've, also get, you've almost got a situation where people are living together but inhabiting two different worlds. Uh, so there's no real intimacy. There's no deep interaction. And for many days, perhaps many years, this can continue. It's kind of like some of the trends that we see in society, uh, which I've long wondered about. You take a look, for example, at income inequality in the U.S., which has been building and building and building, and it's gone on for such a long time, probably 40 years, so this has been a problem. But really, we've started to see the effect of that in the last four or five years. And so these trends build up, and these conditions, which feel unsustainable and feel like something must break, can just fade into the background. And we almost don't notice them until they get to a point where they, in fact, break us. It's always interesting, Z, as we talked about, when people snap, so they go through some midlife crisis, they abandon their family, they do some violent, desperate act, the feedback is always the same. The people around them are saying, oh, they were doing all the right things, they had such a great life, they were pleasant, they were quiet, they were nice. You hear that a lot. Just a nice guy, just a nice girl, always, always had a smile on their face. And yeah, maybe that's true, but what if that smile is just a mask? And that's the only thing that is holding you together because you're being crushed by the utter emptiness 
of your life or the anxiety that you're swimming against every single day. So it's important to have a gauge, and that's why we're calling this episode Pressure Check. If you can check what that pressure is, see when it is building, see when it is getting to unsustainable levels, and be able to do something about it. And this is both on the positive and negative side. So on the negative side, if there are things that are causing extraordinary pressure, let's step out of those. Let's pair them back. And on the flip side, let's do things that are life-giving, that inflate us, that counteract that pressure, that make us feel engaged and passionate and alive, and that really give us a purpose to exist. That, to me, is the saddest thing. When we get to a state where there's no reason for us to be alive, there's nothing we're looking forward to. There's nothing that we feel we're contributing, nothing that has any meaning. That's a sad state. At that state, we could be dead, we could be alive. It doesn't even matter. You kill yourself, you don't kill yourself. Who cares? You're already part of the walking dead. So what can we do to inflate ourselves and maintain that that spark, that vitality that keeps us going, that renews us, and that gives to those around us? So that's what we're talking about today. And Z, well, why don't you take it away? Give us your thoughts on pressure check. Yeah, Vin, I, I was thinking about this because as I work with people, as you know, every day and uh, just reflect upon life, I, I can see trends. And people, including myself, we, we seem to live under a tremendous amount of pressure. Um, and there are a lot of small agitators that, that ratchet your pressure up. And stress in life is inevitable as gravity and death and night and day. Yet having, managing and relieving that and the management of such is so important. So what we have, what I've noticed is a trend that people don't realize, not only how much pressure they're under, but it's toll that it's taking on them in every facet of their life. As you hear in the news, there are more violence, incidents of violence going on and crime. And it's not just the regular crime that we've seen. It's the explosion of people feeling desperate, feeling angry. So you're having more crime, so to say, or acts of violence. If you drive down the roads, I don't know how it is in New York on the road, but California the, dry, just driving home to work now is a, a greater hazard because of the amount of pressure and anger that people are. Our gas is nearly $6 a gallon. The roads are bad. The traffic, just going anywhere, you're stressed out leaving the house. You're actually, how long will it take me to get somewhere? How bad will the traffic be? How much more will the gas prices go up? And every day there's some story about another tick, another agitator. They just said if you have solar cells on your house, if you have uh, solar power, they're going to tax you for solar power on your roof. So imagine a homeowner just working hard for a home. You own a home and you decided to go solar. Hey, I want to do this for the environment. I want to save myself a few dollars. And then you hear that Somebody in the FACES committee has decided to tax this to a very high percentage, from what I've seen. Just even hearing that that's going to happen, 
I haven't even put the solar batteries on cells on my house yet, and I'm stressed out. I have them on my car to keep the batteries charged. So I'm wondering if they're going to charge me for that. So these are little agitators. Maybe one or two, three or four aren't that bad, but when you start getting them by the score, everybody is ratcheted up. There is a, a financial crisis of the common people going on right now. No matter what they say about the different government loans and hands out, things like that, the average person is challenged right now. Just the average everyday person. You go to any restaurant, go out to any, and there are people hovering around the parking lots, hovering on the streets who are lacking and they're losing their minds. So you have the, ro the roving insane now. Not, no more just the homeless, but literally the roving insane. Drive under any overpass, any freeway. Hell, walk down any street now. So this anxiety, this insecurity, this pressure is altering our consciousness. Not only for the person who is going through it, but the observer of it. Because the average person, I would think, is a somewhat decent human being. So the observation of extraordinary suffering on a regular basis is another agitator that ratchets that pressure up in us. Then you do it enough and that normal high pressure becomes something you feel like, oh, okay, I can just live with this, this is okay. And that, that gauge goes up higher and higher. But remember, the containment of that pressure hasn't changed. The containment is your mind, your being, your health, your body. Though we're, the pressure is going up, the vessel that holds the pressure isn't more reinforced than it was a year ago, 10 years ago, 1,000 years ago. So we're living under extraordinary common pressure. And it comes from all of these different agitators. The bad news we hear every day. You know, I was talking to someone about how it's important to really regulate your news input, what comes into your mind. Because they were talking on the news about different, mainly hate-filled topics, divisive topics. But in the, somewhere back on the 16th page of behind the Black Friday sale ads or whatever, they were talking about a, a huge glacier breaking that's actually right now raising the sea level that maybe our attention and all our aches and rage and pettiness, if we were to look at that, maybe we could collectively find ways to adapt or solutions. There are many breakthroughs in science that can benefit human life for the average person, as if the science is giving us an opportunity that there's hope on the way, that we can live a better life. But we're not hearing about that, so there's nothing that mitigates the pressure. It's only more, more, more. And I think about it in the more kind of exterior or existential way, and I think of it more also in the internal way, intimacy. You have people that really aren't aware of the idea of what Buddha said, that life, the purpose of life is joy. So you have friends, family members, intimate partners, that just aren't checking in with each other for different reasons that seem 
important, but they're really, what is the most important thing in your life? I would think that if you followed a holistic formula, the most important thing in your life are the people that love you. And everything else is a distant second to that. At least that's my view of it. And so when I work with siblings, if you're close to your relatives and you, you value their company and their life with you, check in with them every now and then. You don't have to be a stalker or all over anything, but just check in with them. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Because that is an anti-agitator. It ratchets the pressure down. I was saying before we began the podcast, everybody has different things that, that bring them fulfillment. They feel good. They, it brings them pleasure. They leave there smiling. Like I watched you the other night, Vin, you did your spoken word and we were talking as you were walking down the street. You were so, you were so light on your feet. You were so high because you did something that you loved and then you bring that into your home and it's the opposite of bringing more pressure, more anxiety, more frustration, uh, and any of that. And so those are things that we want to look at. What are the things that I can do that mitigate that? And it doesn't take a lot. Um, years ago, with my oldest son, I was working a lot, but we used to really enjoy our Fridays and Saturdays. We had these routines, these mundane routines we would do. We would go to the hot rodders, get together, and cruise. We would always find a nice movie and go to a local hobby shop. And at the end of that day or evening, you were completely exhausted and rejuvenated. Like, wow, that was fun. I enjoyed that. And when we don't have that, we're carrying this extraordinary and ever-increasing pressure with us every day. When you leave your house in the morning, some of the saddest things that could happen is that there's a barrenness of affection in your home. Everybody goes their separate ways. There's no acknowledgement of gratitude that we made it through another day or we're beginning another day together. And then even to when you come home at night, as Khalil Gibran would talk about, it's, it's simply just another continuation or coupling of the stressful day. People avoid going home. I was talking about the TV show, something that Caitlin used to like. All these people would get off work, and um, they had miserable jobs, and then they would go to a bar. And the high point of their day was getting completely drunk and spending as many hours at the bar as they could before they went home. They would stay at the bar till it closed, right? Every night. Wouldn't, isn't that the movie? It's the, the show Cheers? Yeah. It wasn't cheerful at all because I would look at this. It's a large group of alcoholics, um, really damaged people. <laughs> and the days were, and they never really talked about the job because the jobs were so bad that all they could do was go and drink themselves into a stupor. And they called that cheers. That's really sad. They should call it suicide. Show should have been called suicide. Because let's look at our lives. If life is about joy, 
And what are the things that give you joy? And, 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 and as an individual, and as collective as a family idea, and it's not over the top, singing, dancing, uh, lights going off, fireworks. It's just that refreshed gratitude. That's what I'm talking about. When you meet your friends at the end of the day or your partner, is it cheerful? Like the, the, the drunken TV show? Or is it miserable? Or is it anxious? If people come with all sorts of anxiety, you understand this, when somebody has a lot of anxiety, it's like they're kids on a monkey bar, like a bunch of special ed kids on a monkey bar. It just never ends. You're going from one monkey bar to another, one stressful, anxious thing to another, hiding things, worried about things. And there's never, there's no break. There's no, there's no growth. There's no flowering. There's no blossoming. And this is what people are getting used to and where you see the end result is when you're out there, you see the pressure that people are under. You see the sadness in their face, right? You know what I'm saying? Just, it's just this pressure. And because everybody is doing it, we think it's okay. But I'm saying for those of us who are opting out, let's address that. I was speaking to one of my dear friends, Manny, and he mentioned that with all this bleakness, it's very important that people make an effort a concerted effort to find things that bring them enjoyment, pleasantries in their life. Make it an effort to do things, to make an appointment with joy. Because life, the purpose of life is joy. You can reflect upon things in your life. How long has it been since you've taken your outing, your camping trip? your quiet time, just your quiet time. I know people that don't have any downtime at all. And they've normalized agitation and anxiety, so they're never stopping. An endless going from sunup to sundown, endlessly going and going and going. And because nature, uh, no two things can occupy the same space at the same time, according to physics. No two things can occupy the same space at the same time. So you can't be constantly going and be still in intimacy. They can't exist together. They cannot exist. I heard a woman on a talk show who said something very bleak and honest. She said that relationships were not as important to her, intimate relationships, as career pursuits. And she was very honest about it. I appreciate the honesty. But I, also I could see the caution, there's a cautionary tale in that, is that she was young and attractive, and she felt that she would always have relationship opportunities based on her youth and attractiveness. But the clock never stops, and youth is fleeting, and the skills needed to be in a healthy relationship were acquired over time. And you need to seize the time while the time is yours. That's, that's my thought on it, because I've heard that story before. By the time you come up from pursuing your different uh, egocentric career ambitions, there's nobody around that's interested in you. You don't have the skill to be a partner. It takes skill to be a good partner. 
Hell, it takes skill to be a good friend. And these skills are developed over a lifetime. That's why many people don't have friends. They don't have the skill of friendship because your friends aren't just like you. They're people who will call you on your missteps and all these. And those relationships have to be nurtured. They're not straight back and forth. They're kind of a serpentine path in life with a lot of ups and downs. But that makes them hold well together. So from a point of view of health and us striving to mitigate human suffering, it's, it benefits us to be aware of how much pressure we're under all the time. How much pressure do we introduce to people in our lives? And that can be measured like anything based on a relative reference to something else. So you measure pressure by non-pressure. Think about the things that don't introduce pressure or a positive pressure in your life. What were you going to say, Jay? So I think I would ask you a question that takes you in a slightly different direction. Because you're speaking as Master Z, who's done the work, still doing the work, but you're 35 plus years into doing the work. When you talk about the daily pressures, military, running security, there is no downtime mm -hmm. in those jobs, in that career. How do you... I would look at them as a model. How do you deal then? Well, well yeah, that's an, a good example that Jonte brought up. Well, there was a time in my life when I was, uh, you know, 30 plus years ago when I was in my, my, my 30s and, and I worked a very intense job, career. But I had regulators in it. Whenever I wasn't working, I absolutely wasn't working. When I was off, I was completely off. And I was also clear while I was doing it that at that moment it was building a part of me that was necessary. Just like you go to the gym and you put yourself under pressure so you can get in shape. I was very aware of the ebbs and flow of the pressure. I was watching the gauge on myself in my own way. I was very aware that there was an end game to what I was doing. I had no I, vision that this would be an endless uh, loop. I'll do this for a while, then I'm going to do that. I was very meticulous about how I stressed myself. Thus, it became more holistic than destructive. You see what I'm saying? In a military, you have a tour of duty. You go through an intense period of stress. And upon a certain date and a certain time, that stress is mitigated. You're not going to do that anymore. It's up to you to value that downtime way and nurture that value so it, you can recover from the stress. What really hurts us isn't that we can't take stress. It is the endless stress, the endless moderate, high-moderate stress, the, the going. See, the endless going that people do. Let's say a person struggles with anxiety. At some point, there has, we want to say there has to be a point where I won't be anxious anymore. What are the three things that make me anxious? Let me address those things and be done with it. What if you're a complainer? What if you're a person who speaks in problem? You know people who speak in problem. You guys know what I mean. Everything's a problem. So once that problem is fixed, can we now be without problem? So that for the person who speaks in problem, 
What do you need so there's no more problems? You see? So if you, have pro if you speak in problem, if you that kind of mindset, pick 10 things that you want to fix. Fix eight of them. But don't have an endless conveyor belt of problems. You understand what I'm saying? Just, this is a problem. We all know when, when either ourselves or somebody we know that, that speak in problem. This, this creates tremendous, this creates cancer. You get cancer from that. There's no downtime. There's no anabolic cycle. What about those who combine with that lack gratitude? You, whenever I get up in the morning, I'm glad everybody's alive. Oh, that's great. If I can finish my day and nobody I know died, eh, it's, it's time for a Coke and a smile, as they used to say. I wouldn't suggest getting diabetes and drinking that, but maybe a health-based drink. But you get what I'm saying. But why? Because I've been under extraordinary pressure. I've experienced extraordinary losses. So I understand the opposite of that is always gratitude. It's always gratitude. Also, a little bit of pressure is good for you. Extraordinary pressure and continuous pressure is not. The pressure I feel, example, we worked on a client to get together. I'm at work. That's my job. I worked with clients, but I enjoyed not only teaching you, but also seeing the benefit to the client and feeling a job well done. So even though there's the pressure of the work, there's also the pleasure it brings with that. If you can't find that, then you're just under this chronic pressure. Or if you have that mixed with mania and anxiety. We have to have downtime. We have to have renewed time. We have to have recharge time. We have to have savoring time. It's like there are certain foods you cook that only taste right if they're cooked at moderate temperatures for long periods of time so all the flavors can mix together, right? Certain way you cook certain cakes. Life is like that. So what I hope we can talk about then and give people tools, and I'm working on those too, is that, that checking your pressure, knowing where you're at on that pressure gauge, and making sure that at some point you can diminish that pressure, relieve yourself of that pressure before you go back into it, or before you literally rip yourself apart, destroy your family, destroy your career, or walk around like too many people that are just numb. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, yeah, I definitely understand what you're saying. It's that whole mindset of urgency of going from one thing to the next is something that we lose ourselves to. And to your point, we're not even aware of it. I see this with family, as we've talked about. I see this at work. I work with people. And it's clear to me that they have no idea what they're doing. But it's almost like they can't let something go. So they'll stop by my office and they'll say, oh, let's catch up on whatever. We've got a call coming up. Let's talk about the topics that we want to cover. 
And then on their way out, it's, oh, what about this? What about this HR issue that we have to deal with? And then before they can leave the door, they're pausing for a second and mentally just clocking through every single thing that they may not have said, that they may have forgotten, or that they may just want to say to prolong the encounter for whatever reason. And you look at the faces of people when they do this, it's really disheartening. Uh, The faces are drawn. They're pensive. There's a certain amount of fear. You know, it's almost like a cloud that's hanging over someone. And that joy that we talk about, just feeling joy, feeling some spark. I keep on coming back to the same words, but I'll say it again. Feeling alive, you know, that sense of life, of being around with someone who's got energy, who's got something to give back to you. You don't find that a lot. And it's terrible to witness. It's also terrible to be a part of. (laughs) And it just pushes people away. Because no one wants to be around that, or maybe maybe some people do. I mean, if you're numb to it, maybe this is just what you expect, and you kind of go along with it. You don't really think about it. But if you are aware of it, even subliminally, you want to run and hide because it's energy draining. It's that nervous energy of always looking for something else, of not being at peace. There's a lack of integrity, a lack of power, a lack of clarity, I would argue a lack of creativity. And these are the things that we value in interacting with people. This is what makes us feel connected, what makes us feel inspired. So maybe just that simple act, if we have to start thinking about solutions to this problem, that simple act of being able to stop, allow the dust to settle, maybe it's setting aside some time every day, doing the technology breaks that we've talked about in the past, or just catching yourself and allowing yourself to feel that nervous energy. And it's interesting, Z, because I've been feeling a lot more of this recently. I've been getting into social media and spending more time on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram just to start to build an audience. And sometimes I I question my own sanity because, number one, the people that I'm reaching, I don't even know who they are. I mean, there are a few who will reach out and message me, and they're sincere, and it's refreshing to hear uh, their comments, their thoughts. Uh, Someone reached out to me the other day from Africa and just said, I I love your work. Uh, uh, That song you put out is dope, and it was just very genuine, and you know that that was great. But for every one of those comments, it's people making fart jokes or (laughs) just— Just ridiculous stuff, like starting online arguments with other random people that I've never heard of. So I don't know what the benefit is, but I look at the cost to me, and my mind is always pulled in that direction. It's like almost a physical effort to pull myself away from thinking about what am I going to put out next or thinking about how is this stuff performing? Are people engaged? If not, should I do something different? And I think I need to follow some of this advice that we're talking about because I feel like I'm in a worse mental state now than I was six months ago at the outset of this project. Uh, I can almost feel that physical pull, you know, that instinct or reflex of reaching for my phone or switching on the computer or feeling, okay, what's next, what's next, what's next? And it leads to burnout. I mean, it leads to a situation where it's not sustainable. You don't feel good. You don't feel at peace. 
I would argue you lose gratitude as well. You stop appreciating what you have. You're so focused on what's coming next that you forget about all of the cool things that you're able to do about the people, as you said, Z, who support you, who care about you, who love you. And it's a loss of perspective. I mean, we're kind of in in our own wheel, just turning and turning and turning. And it's worse than that. Not only are we going nowhere, but we've got blinders on, so we can't even see that we're going nowhere. All we're doing is looking right in front of us, and we can see the wheel turning. So it's the illusion of some forward progression, even though we're not actually getting anywhere. Uh, so I don't know if we're getting off topic. I mean, that's kind of what I, I think and I react to hearing you speak you know, this other story that you brought up about this woman who's very career-focused, the other issue that I'll raise, and maybe you've got some perspective on this, it seems to me that the reason we can get into these increasingly dysfunctional states is that there's endless accommodation. So number one, it's become normalized and everyone around us is doing it, and that makes it hard to even know that there's a problem. But beyond that, there are natural limits on dysfunctional behavior that either through habit or through technology, we've been able to overcome. I think about the fertility clinics in New York. They're packed, man. I mean, they are packed. You go to one of these places, you can't get an appointment. It's a two-hour wait. It's filled with women between the age of 38 and 50 who've delayed having kids, who are now desperate to get pregnant. Not only are they desperate to get pregnant, but they want to do it on their own time. They want to do it now because they're very type A. And damn it, I've set a goal for myself, and this is what I'm going to do. It, it sounds ridiculous, but that's the mindset. You know, it's one more box to check off. And so, number one, you've waited too long to do this. Number two, you're in this state of anxiety, which means that your biology is shutting down, which makes it harder to accomplish what you set out to do. But I guess the technology is good enough, or even if it's not good enough, you've got enough money where you can do multiple rounds of IVF. And you can get through this. Uh, so uh, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, Z. I mean, have we lost some of the natural checks that prevent us from spinning out of control? And if we have, what's the solution? Before we get that, what were you going to say, Jante? So <clears throat> listening to Vin's commentary on him now working in that digital space, you don't enjoy it. Like, it's, for you, it's a job. We enjoy the building of the community and brand and engaging with getting to know. I've talked to probably 300 people over the last three years of building this brand online because I enjoy that conversation of why are you following us? What do you enjoy about this brand? Let's actually get to know our community. So if that piece is missing. It becomes just a career. Well, that's what I said earlier, John Tate. I told you about little things that I do as a hobby. I build cars. And for an average person, they look and say, what the hell are you doing? But for me, it brings me a lot of uh, meditative time. I see it's an art to me. I'm doing art in my own way. I enjoy my martial arts. We just get together and exchange techniques, hone our techniques martial arts. Some people like other things. And the point is not what you do, it's how you feel doing it. And we want to find that thing that is the opposite of pressure. And for different people, it will be different things. And that's about knowing yourself. But it takes time to know yourself. And then to get back onto what you're talking about, Vin, and what I, I'm going to 
just share my own experiences and observations. You know, you see these stories of people completely losing it, just completely going off and committing all sorts of crazy acts against people they were once close to. These people are under tremendous pressure. And we want to be able to relieve that pressure. And I want to give us tools. I want to give us tools that we can use to know when we're under pressure. Look at using the Kala Yantra, the time management yantra or blueprint. With our 24-hour days, we need about seven and a half to eight and a half hours of sleep. I've talked about this before, to be relatively healthy. You typically work an eight-hour day. Then you have eight hours that you call self-time. So for each day, you have eight hours that are definitive hours uh, for you, that describe who you are. For some people, they have maybe a little more or a little less than eight hours in a day based on whatever career they are in their, wherever they are in their careers. If you're retired, you have the whole day to yourself if you have a retirement income. Um, if you're hardworking and you maybe have to put in a few more hours, maybe you only have six hours. But what you do in those hours are very important to define you and to give a register to the pressure you can take. When you come home at night, is it more pressure or less? Do you get right back on your smart device? Are you right back at work? Are you planning the next two days ahead? Can you not take yourself away, rip yourself away from your smart device? For a number of reasons. Sometimes I found that it becomes a companion. The Facebook, the Instagram, it becomes a companion. If it is your companion, you're under extraordinary pressure. Humans are still bound to nature and do really well with partnerships, intimacy, closeness, and connection. If that smart device is now substituted, uh, intimate interaction, intimate conversation, closeness, warmth, uh, human adoration, then you're under pressure. And most of us can probably check that box and say, yeah, we're under pressure. That means that you don't have an intimate life. You don't have a partner you're sharing your life with. It's that simple. Time is inevitably the ultimate taskmaster. What you do with your time defines you. If you start your day miserable, carrying over from that day issues of the day before, then you're under pressure. If you find yourself unable to sleep, tossing, turning to the wee hours of the morning, waking up tired, you're under pressure. You haven't gotten rest. Remember, we're bound by these solar cycles. We're bound by day and night, and we only have so many hours in a day. So let's check our hours in a day. When you come home, and if you have a partner or whatever, are you glad to see each other? Or do you have a list of problems and complaints? Do you come in anxious, scared, fearful, mad, tense? So that how many hours are you using with that? Then you're going to go to bed with that. What if you have 
career anxiety and you're worried about your next job or the job you're doing, whether you're going to be laid off. So now your cortisol levels are spiking, you're not sleeping and you're putting on weight and your blood pressure is going up. Just had a young man who had a stroke in his late 20s and his early 30s. He's trying to deal with obesity and body pains and things like that. And he's been under pressure for so long that he, he's normalized it, but he's manifested in all sorts of health maladies. And the easy way for us to add a gauge to that pressure check is to look what we do with our time. Do you have time to keep your home organized? If your domicile is cluttered, your personal feng shui is off. At work, do you have time to finish your job? Or does it flood into a continuous buildup of more and more backlog of work? If that's happening, you're under a lot of pressure. Do you have ongoing family drama? Are you caught up in some sort of uh, inheritance issue? With I know people involved in inheritance issues with their siblings. An endless argument or waiting for an argument. You're under pressure. Um, I'm going through uh, problems with my nephew and things like that that's, that's extraordinarily stressful, but not as stressful as it is on him himself. So I'm suggesting he goes to counseling and he's looking for that and looking for support and comfort as he's navigating an unseen territory of extraordinary stress. So we want to, we want to do what we can as a family, support him through that um, and, and remind him you're under a tremendous amount of pressure. So be careful of the decisions you make, the judgments you have, everything while you're under extraordinary pressure. So all of us can use the time management yantra, the blueprint of time, to determine whether we're under pressure. If you have a lot of young children, do you have break time, downtime? Do you have support and help? If you um, have a career that is growing, do you have helpers, partners, things, people that can re relieve some of that load? from you or are you trying to do it all yourself? So ask yourself these questions. Let's make up a checklist because you need, like you need eight hours of sleep, you need eight hours that define who you are. And in that eight hours, you can look and see what do you, I do with that eight hours that are mine? Am I doing more work? Am I more stressed out? Am I uh, empty of closeness? Do I not have time for friends? I've had people tell me they don't have time for friends. We were talking to somebody they didn't have time for a social life. Uh, somebody was standing here, they were telling me they just didn't have time. They wanted it, but they didn't have time. Well, what are you doing with your time? What the hell, what's the purpose of life? Remember what the Buddha said, the purpose of life is joy. If it's not bringing you joy, why the hell are you doing it? And so if your duty is, if you've lost sense of duty and you're just going and going and going and your going is based on fear of what may happen or what happened in the past, then anxiety is governing you and it will never rest. You become a simp of anxiety.
You do. And so we want to get that under code. So if, if you, and, and, and also learning not to speak in problem. Who's teaching you new words? That's not a new word. That goes back to the 60s. Yeah, but you didn't use it right. Yeah, well, I did. That's why you didn't use it right, Dante. We made up the word, okay? So it comes from the term simpleton, such as a dullard, a person with no mind of their own, okay? So these, I have to teach these millennials things. <laughs> and so these are things that we could do to help us out, is how do you spend your waking hours aside from work? Think about it. Humans are visceral, physical, textural, intimate creatures. We benefit from the company of each other. We benefit, of, we benefit from love, nurturing, play, laughter, support, kindness, compassion. If you don't have that in your life, you're under pressure. Though it may be normal what you're doing, it's not healthy. If you respect and honor time, you don't say we'll do it next year, next week, next month. Whatever you do, do it now, such as the great Patanjali said in the Yoga Sutras. Do it now. And when you work, work. Do your eight hours and be done with it. Don't do your eight hours and then bring it home. Don't wake up in the morning feeling that you're unfinished from the previous day. That's called anxiety. That's called anxiety, over-mindful of the past and dreading the future. If a problem is fixed and resolved, leave it alone. Just leave it alone. It's done. Don't look for things that are broken so you can then complain about them. Find solutions to problems, collectively. If something is broken, fix it. When it's fixed, it's done. Move on. So those are signs that we're under pressure when we constantly are reciting problems. A sign that we're under pressure is when there seems to be no happiness in your life, no joy, that it's so far away. Maybe next year, maybe next month, I'll get a break. No, get a break now. This is life because you'll be dead next month. Maybe, maybe not. Let's live our life. Let's do it now. Let's be good yogis and do it now. It is important to take technology breaks. Why is it important? Because you get to see your addiction. It's like taking a break from cigarettes. People don't know they're addicted to cigarettes till they stop smoking. Then they're looking everywhere for a break. Or an alcoholic doesn't know they're an alcoholic until there's no drink around. Take a small break. Be visceral, physical. Be with somebody. Train together. Talk together. Love together. Whatever it is. And then see where you're at. I start and end my day all the time, good or bad, with gratitude. I got my little seven-year-old here harassing my nephew right now who has the face of my mother. I see my mom every day. I look at these little ones and I think of how quickly the time has gone by, how fortunate I am to be able to have this moment to 
with them. I look in the younger one's eyes, the four-year-old, and I look and I try to look in his eyes. Sometimes I just look in his beautiful dark eyes. And I say, you will see a world I will never witness. They have no idea. If everything goes right, they will see a world I would never imagine. They will live many, many years after I'm gone. I will be completely forgotten, and they'll still be here. I am so grateful that I have this time. So when I get caught up in the pressure, I check my gratitude. And the gratitude tells me, you're under pressure. Back it down a notch. Go train. As soon as I do that, I go work out. I enjoy working out. I enjoy being fit. I enjoy the, the, the expression of body. The world can be such a lonely place when we're under pressure when we're endlessly going, when we don't stop to look in the eyes of the baby, to look at each other. I have gratitude for the growth of even the big guys around me. I'm trying not to infantilize, infantize people, whatever you call that word. Make them seem like babies. What is that term? Infantilize or something. Infantize or something. But it's a word that you make every... Because it, the problem is, is that with, with all you guys, you know, I can reflect upon a lifetime and I feel the same and so I, I want to make sure that I'm not being diminishing when I refer to them as the kids or whatever it's because you guys will forever be that to me based on the space of time that's all but I admire them as adults I admire who they are what they know I learn from them I watch your growth I can see my imprint in your growth and that does something very um, joyful for me. Uh, I was over the top with you then when I saw your last show. I've been working on that with you for many, many years and you hit your mark. That great, gave me great joy. Um, somebody asked me to describe Caitlin's role in our organization. Uh, and somebody says, how do we get another Caitlin? Can we hire Caitlin? And I said, Caitlin, like the wheel of Dharma, you have eight spokes. And the wheel continues. But in the middle of that wheel is a hub. Caitlin is the hub of our wheel. And so a wheel is nothing without a hub. And I, I enjoy that. I enjoy that That. that that someone wanted you, right? And you're part of us. Um, the other day, Caitlin and Jante, I was working on someone and they both jumped in, a cancer patient. And wherever I hesitated, they spoke up and offered formula and remedy that gave me great joy. That's what life is all about. So for my duty, for my efforts, for my work, to see the end result of that is joyful. Everyone should have that opportunity. For I know why the importance of time is so important because I know what it is when time has run out. That cancer patient we have may not see this Christmas next year. We know that. He knows that. So he's, he has important things he'd like to do while he can still do them now. But we should all learn a lesson from that. None of us are promised another Christmas. 
And I wish more people would know that and not deny that. And if you deny that, you're under pressure. If you deny that life is a gift and not a guarantee and not an entitlement, then you'll check your time. You'll bring more joy into your life, less sadness. So those are my thoughts on it. I hope that everybody will check their time so that they can build a meter to the pressure they're under and spend more time being happy and joyful than being stressed and speaking in problems. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, I like that checklist that we have. I mean, if you think about it as a gauge, we've got this pressure gauge, and there are a few things we can do to make sure that we're not under too much pressure, which you mentioned. So one is checking time. How are we using that? Two is getting a sense for whether we feel like we are always in this state of urgency or whether we have some downtime, we can relax. Three is, are we doing things that bring us life? That is uh, one of your clients had said to you, Z, are, are there things that, that give us a reason to get out of bed and be excited about starting our day? So if we just focus on those three things, we can keep the pressure under check. Uh, to your point earlier, there's always going to be some pressure. That's the nature of life. In my mind, the trick is to be aware of that pressure, alleviate the pressure, counteract the pressure, and not get to a state where it's just operating in the background and it's slowly squeezing the life out of us and we don't notice until we collapse. That's the worst state to be in. And often at that time, either it's too late or even if it's not too late, it takes a tremendous amount of effort to pick ourselves up and rebuild. So let's keep our eyes on that dial. Uh, make sure that we've got harmony, as we talked about in last week's episode, and just keep that pressure in check. That's right. Any thoughts from you guys? Well, that's it. Let's talk about it some more. I hope everybody gives us input. If the things we've talked about in the past or things you'd like to go over, feel free to send us an email. Let us know. Um, I'm interested, very interested in ways that we can simply mitigate human suffering. That is what these podcasts are all for. Give us things that provoke thought, ideas, not to tell you the way no one owns the truth, but to help us get a better understanding, get a better grasp on our world. We can all benefit from it. Some of us maybe don't have mentors in our lives or uh, like-minded people around, and let's cultivate those relationships. And if you can't do it within arm's reach, just go on and, and, and send us a note and we're here for you. All right? Thank you. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.